Hi, this is Nathan. Before we get to the episode, I want to invite you to join me on an incredible adventure this November of 2024. I am taking a small group of believers to Turkey, what the New Testament called Asia Minor, for a 12-day Bible study tour of the early church. We'll be studying the book of Acts and many of the epistles on location as we visit ancient cities like Ephesus, Laodicea, Heropolis, Antioch, Pergamum, and many more. If you are interested in joining me this November for a once-in-a-lifetime adventure as we study where much of the New Testament and early church took place, you can learn more by going to deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. And if you're interested, don't delay. Spots are limited and on a first-come, first-served basis, and a $100 discount is available if you register before May 27th. I do hope you can join me. And again, more information is available at deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. Now, here's the episode. Welcome to episode 80 of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and in today's episode, I wanted to discuss nine ways that you can approach the Bible in your reading and study time. Let's dive in. As a Christian, I'm pretty sure that you know that being in God's Word is vital to your spiritual life. I've said it many times on this podcast, but your interaction with God's Word through Bible reading and memorization and through meditation and through study is absolutely essential for you to grow and develop and deepen in your walk with Christ. Now, I've talked a lot about over this podcast and through articles and that kind of thing about how to study and the purpose of Bible study and and those kind of those kind of concepts. But as I've been working on my new saturation book, I wanted to share with you nine ways to approach Bible study. Now, I'm still kind of working through some of the language on this, and I may tweak them when it comes out in the book. But I was kind of having some fun, and I stepped back and I said, okay, well, as a Christian, how should I approach Bible study? How should I approach reading God's Word? And so I was kind of jotting some ideas, and Uh, Well, I'm not saying these are the best descriptive words, but for me, they're kind of fun. So I just want to walk through these nine approaches with you. And I really hope they kind of give you a handle or a thought of how you can get into God's word. So number one, the first way you can approach reading and studying the Bible is as a journalist. You realize that a good journalist knows how to ask questions. I've said it many times, but one of the keys for good Bible study is learning to ask great questions. I remember back in elementary school, we were told that as a journalist, journalists have key questions that they always ask. They ask questions like who, what, when, where, why, and how. You realize that those are great questions to ask during your time in the Word. Why don't you ask questions like who, what, where, when, why, how? So who's talking? Who Who's the passage about? What's going on? When is it happening? Where is it happening geographically? Why is this taking place? And how is this taking place? Those kind of questions will really help you dig deeper into Bible study. Now, several months ago, I put together a resource with more than 75 observation questions. 
Now, if you remember the process of good Bible study, you're, you're doing observations and then you do interpretation and then you apply it into your life. And so I kind of put together kind of in these kind of sections, over 75 great questions that you can ask yourself as you're studying the Bible. Now, does every question apply to every single passage? Well, no, of course not. But it kind of gives you a basis or a framework that there's so many questions that you can ask about God's word to take you deeper and deeper and deeper. Now, if you're interested in that free download, you can find it by going to the homepage of deeperchristian.com or by going specifically to the show notes for this episode at deeperchristian.com forward slash 80 for episode number 80. But that would be the first way you can approach Bible study. It's really thinking and acting like a journalist. So ask good questions. The second way that you can approach studying the Bible is be a detective. See, a detective investigates. They try to figure things out. And there's a lot of passages where if you would begin to think through, not just ask questions, but really spend the time to think it through and mull it over and literally use all of scripture as your as the basis to build your case, there's some great insights that you can have. So ponder things like, well, why does this passage come right after this? For example, in, in the book of Matthew, chapters 5, 6, and 7, is the Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus is proclaiming this incredible message. And at the end of chapter seven, it says that really everyone who was listening was just astounded. Their, their jaws were hanging open and just, wow, what's going on? But then Matthew records Matthew 8, 9, and 10. And it's interesting. You could say, well, why does he put those particular miracles and stories right after the Sermon on the Mount? So you could be a detective and really work through this and, and try to figure out why did the Holy Spirit lead Matthew to write that way? Why, why does he include 8, 9, and 10 right after 5, 6, and 7? Now, obviously, it's because the numbers are right after each other. <laughs> but the content, why is the content following right after the Sermon on the Mount? Well, it's because chapters 8, 9, and 10 is the lived out version of the Sermon on the Mount. So in chapters 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew, Jesus is proclaiming this phenomenal Sermon on the Mount, but then he goes down into the streets and in chapters 8, 9, and 10 lives out that message. So it's the physical expression or the demonstration of that message. Well, how are you going to know that? Well, you need to be a detective and search those things out. So don't just be a journalist and ask great questions, but be a detective and reason through and think through and, and, and mull over what's happening in scripture and why is it the way it is and be a good detective. The third way that you can approach studying the Bible is to be a student. In other words, study it. I've said this before, but you realize that if all you ever do is just read the Bible, and hey, that's great. I think that should be a part of your of your daily plan. But if all you ever do is read it and you don't study it, you're missing the depth. Uh, it would be much like a gold miner who is you know, going off to find some gold, but he never actually takes the axe or the pick and actually puts it into the ground. He's just kind of looking for gold nuggets on the top of the earth. Now, could he find some gold and some treasure? Yeah, probably. And you know, there's some stuff laying at the very top. But what's interesting is if you would take the time to take your pick or your axe and dig deep into the ground, you will find greater riches. But it takes diligence and study. So be a student and not just read the Bible, but to actually study it out. Number four, be a child. Haven't you ever noticed that children are gullible? 
<laughs> it's kind of fun, especially being an uncle. You can kind of go up to your your nieces or nephews and just kind of say something. They're like, no, really? It's It's a great delight. But you realize a child really is innocent. They're gullible because they trust what someone says. You realize that that's how we're to approach the Bible, that we are called like a child to believe it, that we're not to reason through it. We're not to excuse it. We're not to say, well, this doesn't apply to me, but we are to come like little children, not childish behavior. We're called to maturity and growth, but we are called to come as little children and to sit under the word of God and believe what the word of God says. So did Adam and Eve Were they actually two people in the garden? Yes. Did Jonah actually get swallowed by a big fish? Likely a well? Literally? Yes. Well, that's just good moral stories. No, 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 no. Those actually took place. And I'm going to believe it. Is the grace and the blood and the salvation of Jesus sufficient for my salvation? Yes. Does his spirit live inside of my life as a believer and is desiring to empower me to live a victorious, triumphant Christian life? Yes. See, I'm not to argue with the Bible. I'm to believe it like a little child. So would you come under the word of God and really believe what it says? Don't put yourself above the Bible and say, well, I have better presumption or or authority or knowledge than the Bible does. And don't just be buddy-buddy and just, you know, kind of come alongside it on equal stance. I am not equal with the Bible. The Word of God is the authority. The Word of God is infallible. The Word of God is the standard and measurement, and it does not change. And I am to come under that authority and believe it and say, yes. Number five, be fertile soil. You realize that the Word of God must be planted deep within our life, that it shouldn't just be planted, you know, like, like you plant something, it's like, oh good, well, there's at least something in the ground. But the point of putting something in the dirt is so that it would actually grow up and become a mature plant. And the same thing is true about the word of God. The word of Christ is to dwell in you richly, as Colossians 3.16 says. And as such, it needs to be planted deep within your life. That what is coming out of your life when the word is planted deep within it is fruit. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That the fruits of the spirit, which is the life of Christ, is being evidenced and demonstrated and revealed in your life. And you realize that when the word of God is planted deep within you, it will transform you. That it's not just mere information it becomes the transformative reality of what Jesus, through his spirit, is doing in and through you. Number six, be a cow. <laughs> and I, it's probably not the best term uh, to say, hey, be a cow. But be a cow. In other words, chew on the word of God or meditate. And I've talked about this before, but meditation in the, in the modern church has kind of gotten a bad rap. Uh, we've kind of brought in this idea of the new age stuff where you empty your mind and um, and, and whatever. And that's just, well, I'm not talking about that at all. That's just garbage. You realize that there is this idea of biblical meditation. In fact, in Joshua 1.8, it says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, 
for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. So there's this idea in Joshua 1.8 that the word of the Lord shall not depart from our mouth and we are to meditate upon it day and night. In a similar sense, Psalm chapter 1 says this, and I'll just read the first three verses. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. See, there's this idea that the word of God is to constantly be upon our lips. It is to constantly be upon our mind, and we are to be like a cow and meditate upon it. And the reason I say a cow is because if you look at how a cow chews cud, it's similar to how we as Christians are to meditate upon God's word. See, this cow goes out to the field and grabs a mouthful of grass and chews, 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 swallows that thing, and a little time later regurgitates it up and chews some more. And then he swallows and then brings it back up and chews some more and then swallows and brings it back up. And it's chewing cut. I get that. But we're to do that with God's word, that we're to meditate upon his word day and night. See, we're to not empty our mind. We're to fill our mind with the word of God. And we're to ponder the word of God and think about the word of God and just live in the word of God. And we're to let it, you know, swallow the word of God and deep down within us. And then, hey, if you're standing in a line or as you're driving down the road or as you're just pondering life, why don't you sorry for the illustration, but to regurgitate the word up in your life and bring it back to your mind and begin to rethink through it and and pray over it and and ask God what he means by that and, and just live constantly in the word. So you are to meditate upon the word day and night. So you are called to be like a cow chewing on the word of God. Well, a seventh way you can approach the word of God is to be a servant or a slave. In other words, You are called to obey, to do it, and apply it. See, a servant uh, doesn't question an order. See, the servant doesn't bargain and say, well, hey, well, I'll do it if. See, a a, a good servant uh, doesn't just, no, I'm going to do my own thing. See, a good servant obeys the command. Now, I know we don't like the slave-servant language nowadays, but think about this. You realize that in the New Testament, a galley slave, those guys who would row the boats, you realize they didn't get to choose when they obeyed and when they didn't when they didn't get to obey. See, they always obeyed. See, they didn't get to decide, well, I'm going to take a vacation or I'm going to take a day off or, oh, I'm not feeling well. See, they always obeyed. Why? Because they were servants. You realize that we are called to do the exact same thing with the word of God, that we're not called to argue it. We're not called to bargain with it. We're not called to question it. And, and yes, we're called to ask questions and think through it so that we can find out what it means. But when we know what it means, we are called to obey it. Why? Because it, the word of God, is the authority and the standard for our life. We are called to come under its authority, like that little child who believes it. But don't just believe it, but obey it. And you realize that if you would come under the authority of God's word and you would begin to obey it, it will change and transform your life. See, we're not merely called to esteem the word of God. We're called to obey the word of God. 
See, I know a lot of people today in the church who have a high esteem of God's word. And yeah, I believe the word. And yes, it's great. But you look at their lives and their lives are miserable. And their lives are not living according to the standard of what a Christian life is supposed to look like. Why? Because all they have is a good mental assent of, yes, woo, I believe in the word. But they haven't actually come under its authority and have begun to obey it. You are called to obey the word of God. Well, not just that, but number eight, approach the word of God like a teacher. In other words, take the truth that God is revealing and pour it outward, share it and declare it. It's interesting. There's something about the word of God that as you get into the word of God, you cannot help yourself. You have to share it. Now, I'm not saying you have to you know, get in, get in front of a pulpit and preach it every Sunday. I understand that's not the outlet for most people. But you realize that you could share it with a family member or a good friend, or maybe you have a Bible study group that you can come together and, or, or, Hey, maybe you could, uh, if you're digitally inclined, maybe you could create a YouTube video and, and share what God's revealing. You have a phenomenal opportunity in this day and age to declare God's truth. And you realize that in America, at least it is still, we have, we have the liberty to declare God's word, at least for the time being. So let's take the opportunity while we have it. So be like a teacher and take what God is doing in your life and how he is transforming you and, and how you're obeying and all the phenomenal concepts that he is opening your mind to from the word and literally go out and share and declare it. Take what he has deposited in your life and go and proclaim it to the nations. And if you say, well, I have nobody around me, whoo, there's unbelievers out there who need the good news. Lastly, approach the Bible as a Christian. In other words, live it out and let Jesus Christ be the very focal point of all of not only the word of God, but of your life. You realize that a Christian is one where the glory of Jesus Christ is paramount, where the adoration and love for who God is and all that he has done is really the very, oh, it's a burning passion within your life. So as you approach the word of God, make sure you do it as a Christian. In other words, make sure you're going to the word to see Jesus Christ, to fall more in love with him, that it's not just information or academics of why you're coming to the word, but you're coming to the word for intimacy, for transformation, for relationship, that you're saying, God, I want to know you and the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your sufferings being conformed to your death, as Paul says in Philippians 3.10. But not just that, but not only do I want to know you, but I want your word. Oh, God, take your word and transform my life. And as a Christian, I want your word of God to be trumpeted and expressed and revealed through my life. That when someone looks at my life, they see an embodiment of the word. Now, I understand Jesus is the fullness of that, that he is the word of God made flesh. But the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, lives inside of you and I if we are believers, which means what we see in the Word of God in terms of the purpose and the standards and the life and the, the language, that should be coming evidenced or that should be evidenced and coming out of our lives. That if our desire is to be ever more like Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God is in that sanctifying work to make us more like Him, well, then as a Christian, Approaching the word of God, well, 
we're going to live it. We're going to express it. We're going to talk about it. We're going to declare it everywhere that, that when you look at our lives, you begin to see Jesus living inside of our life, that you're actually seeing the word of God. Now, are there more than nine ways to approach the Bible? <laughs> no doubt there is. But these are just nine fun ways of how you should be approaching the Bible. Now, don't just pick and choose. Oh, I like that one. Oh, I like that one. And nah, I don't, I don't want to do that one. Literally come and say, God, I want you to take all nine of these and do something in my life that I want to approach the word of God like a journalist where I'm asking questions. I want to approach the word like a detective where I'm investigating what the scripture is saying, that I want to be like a student who studies it and a child who believes it. I, I want to be like fertile soil where the word of God is planted and then the fruit of the word is evidenced in my life. I want to be like a cow and meditate and chew upon it. I want to be like a servant who obeys and applies and does the word of God. I want to be like a teacher who literally proclaims and declares the word. And I want to be a Christian whose focus is God himself. And the reason I come to the word is to see him and to know him and to glorify him in and through my life. And so that my life would live out the word of God. Oh, that is my passion and my desire for you. I already quoted this, but as Paul said in Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, that the word of God is totally calm and only dwell within us and therefore be revealed in and through us. May God do that in both of our lives. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of the Deeper Christian Podcast. For show notes of this episode, including an outline and a list of the nine approaches to the Word of God, please visit deeperchristian.com forward slash 80 for episode number 80. And until next time, know I am cheering you on as you build your life around Jesus Christ.